Louise McSherry on 2FM. But first, it is time to learn how to be an adult, my friends. And today is definitely an adult conversation. Now, we won't be saying anything you know, untoward. However, we will be acknowledging the existence of sex. So if that's something that your little ears around you are not going to be okay with, then maybe you might want to switch away for uh, 20 minutes or so. But uh, sex lives have changed dramatically since last March. Stress from homeschooling and worries around health and finances and general stress and spending 24 hours a day together has definitely had an impact on libido. So today in How to Be an Adult, we have enlisted the help of psychosexual therapist Anya Ward from Insight Matters to take a peek under the sheets. Hello, Anya. Good morning, Louise. How are you? I'm good. Are you ready to take a peek under the sheets? I'll take a peek with you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so is it? It's it's fair to say that the pandemic hasn't been great for our libido, has it? Generally speaking, yes, it hasn't been great because of stress, boredom, routine, lack of routine, um, people falling into ruts anxiety over different things they all add to the lower libido so all the things that normally would have been potentially problematic for us are kind of i suppose accentuated by the situation that we find ourselves in yes because we're spending more and more time together you know we're spent generally we're spending 24 7 um for those that are working from home Mm. um normally we'd be you know having breakfast together going off for what's six to eight hours coming back, talking to each other about our day, Mm. having dinner together, um, and that'd be it. Mm. But now it's 24-7, you know, looking at the same faces. Mm. And what would be some of the most common issues you encounter uh, when you see clients? Who attend for uh, sex therapy, isn't it? Yeah. There's there's a broad spectrum, you know, there's sexual dysfunction. Mm. Um, So there's, there's male sexual dysfunction, there's female sexual dysfunction, uh, and then you'd have a couple. So a couple might come for communication mm. uh, problems. Um, but inevitably, when there's communication problems, there can be sexual problems too. And how important is, I mean, we all know vaguely on some level that sex is very important to a relationship. But do you think we underestimate that? It is very important to a relationship if that's what the couple want. Mm. You know, um, for some couples, it isn't that important. And for some couples, it's very important. So when it's very important, it needs to be kept at the top of the priority list. And then presumably sometimes it might be very important for one person and not so important for the other. Yes. Yeah. And that's what you have to watch out for. If it's if it's important for one and not for the other, um, you have to try and create the balance mm. or see why it's not so important for the other and how they can compromise, you know. Mm. And do you think... Like, obviously, people who come to you to deal with these problems, that feels like a big step, you know, on its own. Is it hard for people to kind of acknowledge and face up to these things? Yes. That's my initial answer. Yes, it is hard. It's hard to ask for help. It's hard to say that we have a problem with our sex lives. Mm. Sometimes people don't know who to ask or who to talk to because sex can often be a taboo subject for people. Um, and everybody has this idea that everybody else has a great sex life and they're the only ones that don't. Mm. And I presume that's not true. (laughs) You, well, I suppose. No. Yeah. Um, and, and can I ask in terms of people who come to you seeking help, is there a gender divide or is it kind of all the same? Generally, it's all the same. 
Um, but you would get a lot of younger people who are more interested in finding out actually what's wrong, you know. Mm. Um, couples, are not, uh, when I say older, you know, older generations are a little bit slower mm. uh, because there is this thing, no, it'll sort itself out or we can, we can do this ourselves, it'll be fine. Mm. Younger generations seem to think, um, and this is just from my experience, no, mm. there's something wrong. I need to find out what it is. Mm. And if I fix it, I'm going to fix it. Well, I suppose culturally as well, you know, younger generations would be a lot more open to discussing these things potentially than yeah. older generations. Yeah, absolutely. And coming to a stranger and talking about sex isn't the most comfortable for older generations, you know. Mm. And so, you know, talking about the impact on libido, we've acknowledged that it's an issue for lots of people. But what is something Mm. that you can do to try and combat that? You have to look at, you know, when did it start to go wrong? Mm. Um, When, you know, what, what has changed in the libido? Um, is it that there's something wrong in the relationship or is it, you know, have we just got uh, bored? Are we just taking it for granted? Um, are we not making as much time for mm. sex? Mm. Um, and are we not connecting with each other in a way that we would have connected before? Mm. And what if, you know, there will be people who potentially libido isn't a new problem for. If someone has had an issue with libido for a significant amount of time, um you know, they might not even be able to put their finger on a change. What, what can you do about that? You can, if you're worried about it, you can go to your doctor. Mm. You can get hormones levels checked, mm. you know, whether it be male or female. Um, and once there's not a physical uh, problem, um, then you can engage with somebody like myself, mm. uh, a sex therapist, to talk about libido. Mm. And like, I suppose... When is it a problem? Like, when is it a problem? If you just don't feel like having sex, that's not necessarily innately a problem, is it? No, if you don't have, if you don't feel like having sex for a week or a fortnight, that's not a problem. But if it goes on for a long time and it's causing an issue in your relationship Mm. uh, and your, you know, your partner is, you know, is looking for sex or wants sex and Mm. you know yourself that you've, lost desire and lost libido and you're worrying about it and it's causing stress and anxiety for you Mm. then it's time to actually think well maybe there is something going on you Mm. know yeah so if someone's listening now and they think okay yeah actually you know thinking about it it's been a while and you know we would like to change that but we don't really know how to get it going again as it were what are some kind of things that people can do to to get the, the engine started To get the engine started at home, you can start looking at making sex a priority. Mm. So you get your diary, I get my diary, and we schedule sex rather than leaving it to chance. Right. You know, Um, that's one big thing. Communicate, talk to each other. What's wrong? What's going on here? Mm. What's happened? What's different? Mm. Um, Become imaginative around sex. Spice Mm. it up a bit, Mm. you know. Uh, schedule it, as I said, show appreciation to each other, you know, get get the uh, the juices flowing mm. even before you get to the bedroom, you mm. know, show appreciation, keep stress levels down um, and keep talking to each other. And that's that's the big thing. I have heard, uh, I, I think there's this kind of 
common thing that goes around that like you know if you make a commitment to have sex every day for like a month you'll get into it um, and if you just kind of even if you're not particularly feeling it if you just kind of make it happen it's one of those things the more you have the more you want do you think yes. that that's true yes yes that is true the more sex you have the more you want because it you know it gets those it gets the desire flowing. Mm. It gets the it raises the libido. It's mm. a bit like going to the gym. The more you go to the gym, you get the body you want. You know. Yeah. Um. So the more sex you have, the it increases desire and increases connection between you. Yeah. Um, and the more people look for then because it becomes something they enjoy and it's fun. I like that analogy because I think it makes sense that like, you know, my friend and I were talking during the week and we were saying, God, it's isn't it just, isn't it just so awful that exercise, you know, the minute you stop, you lose all the benefits. And if you want to yeah. feel the benefits, you have to keep doing it for your whole life. Like you, you can <laughs> never complete exercise. It will never be over. And isn't that just a, such a punishment is what my friend and I were saying. Um, but I feel like that's a really good analogy for this because if you, if you kind of step off the carousel, as it were, it can be a little bit hard to get back on but once you're on it and you're doing it it's great great yeah and it's it's so much fun and so enjoyable you know um but when we fall off sometimes it is hard to get back on but it's not that you can't you can and can I ask if you're if if you're not finding it fun and you need to have a conversation maybe with your partner and you might feel a bit scared about that or a bit nervous about that, um, what's mm. a good way to approach a conversation like that? Because it is sensitive, obviously, and you don't want to hurt the person that you love. Um, how would you deal with that if you find like, oh, even the idea of spicing it up feels a bit awkward or I'm not really kind of happy with the way things are going, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I have definitely had conversations with people who've said they're just completely avoiding any conversation for fear of hurt or upset but that's obviously not going to solve any problems so what is a good way of approaching it well I'm going to tell you the ways not to approach it first don't okay. approach it when you're tired yeah or when it just hasn't worked yeah you know it needs to be approached at a time that you're both relaxed yeah um that it's not going to be confrontational that there's not other people around that mm. you're not going to have to stop you know mid-sentence and think oh, gosh who's listening mm. you know um so that's that's a couple of pointers, you know. If if you're talking over a meal, generally, you know, bring it in as a as a once it's not a criticism to the other person, bring mm. it in the most general form. Mm. You know, I saw this ad on the television. What do you think? Yeah. You know, um, you know, old photographs talk about the old the the old you know the if they have a photograph of themselves when they were younger together. Mm. Talk about that young couple and what they were doing then and what's different and what's changed and how can we ignite some of that, Yeah. Uh, whether it's freedom or fun or enjoyment that that young couple were having, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so go back to those kind of times. So yeah. it's not so confrontational or challenging for them. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Instead of making it kind of adversarial, and you probably don't want to be adversarial, you know, from the get-go, mm -hmm. but kind of, a, yeah. you know, maybe we could try or let's, you know, talk about this. Are you happy? Are we happy? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose yeah. A, 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 mm -hmm. a kind of neutral way to approach it makes the most sense. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I am going to put it out to the listeners. And if you have a question for Anya, please do text in 51552 or you can email us, louise at rte.ie, as I said at the start of the programme, and as 
absolutely always stands on this show. There is no judgment whatsoever. No question is too stupid. And um, obviously, if you don't put your name on it, no problem. We won't be uh, we won't be sharing any details this morning. Um, Anya, if you wouldn't mind hanging on for me, we'll come back and answer some questions after this. Louise McSherry on 2FM. Tim Chadwick and favourite song on 2FM. More gorgeous Irish music for you. We are joined in How to Be an Adult today by Anya Ward, Sex and Relationships excuse me, sex and relationship psychotherapist from Insight Matters. And uh, we are talking about libido and how our many of our libidos have suffered in the context of the pandemic. And Anya, are you ready for some listener questions? I sure am, Louise. Yeah. Super. Okay. Well, this first one is more of a strategy than a question. It's, a, it's from Neris. It says, I've always found saying, hey, you take your pants off. We've got a 15 minute window here works. Well, good for you, Neris. <laughs> that seems whatever works for you. Um, the next question says, uh, I've been with my boyfriend for nearly a year. He was single for nearly four years before we met. During that time, he watched a lot of porn and masturbated. This has deeply impacted our sex life. He is now desensitized to penetrative sex and cannot climax with me. He won't talk about it or seek help. He has stopped watching porn and masturbating, but it hasn't changed anything. I really love him. Is there anything I can do to help? Yeah, um, that's always a tricky question, the porn question, because it can desensitize the individual. Ideally, you'd like him to get help um, with the porn. Uh, I know you said that he stopped using it, but ideally um, he might get help. However, saying that... um, she can help him in some ways. His desire has lowered because of the continuous use of porn by the sounds of it. Mm. So to take the pressure off um, sex mm. and become more sensual with each other. Mm. So build sensuality mm. before sexual um, intimacy. You know, so things like massage, mm. if that's what you like. You know, it can be a, f- a simple foot massage. Mm. Um, hand massage, shower together, mm. those kind of things to build sensuality so mm. that there's a connection. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I always think it's kind of tragic that like, you know, when you're, when you, when you, oh God, how am I going to say this? I'm going to get myself <laughs> into trouble here. But when you're first seeing someone, you know, the ki- it's all about the kissing and the kissing is the, is the mm. thing, you know, mm. and then it mm. seems sometimes almost like once you have the sex, the kissing is like secondary or like it's not important yeah. or something. And mm. it's like the kissing, maybe the kissing is the best bit, <laughs> like, you know, which and I think all that's of, a good point. Yeah. All of the, all of the, the, the smaller elements, or smaller is the wrong word, but all of those elements, you know, are so special when at, at the start. But then, you know, when you get to say the finish line, for want of a better term, it, you kind of forget yeah. about all that stuff. And so maybe, yeah, yeah you're right, taking the pressure, I mean, of course you're right because you're the expert, but like maybe taking the pressure off the thing that is the, the area of stress, for want of yes. a better term, might mean that you get to enjoy intimacy, but not in the same way. Yeah, it takes the pressure off and yeah. really, you know, get involved. You've made a good point there. Really get involved in foreplay, yeah. kissing, touching, all those things that um, really increase desire over time, the sense of touch. Mm. Um, and there's nothing more sensual than lips to lips, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. Okay, next one says, uh, my girlfriend has never climaxed, not with me or any other partner or with herself. She says it's not mm. a problem and she enjoys sex with me. Is this odd? Well, if it's not a problem for her, then it's not a problem. But it, obviously the problem's for him, mm. you know, and have they spoke about it? Because if it's not a problem for her, 
what what is the problem? Is it that he likes to be with a girl that does climax, mm. you know? It's funny, though, because you say if it's not a problem for her and I agree, like at the end of the day, she is an autonomous human being. But there mm. is like I mm. want to get her a dress and put a womanizer in the post to her. And like, you know, I'm like, <laughs> no, don't live a life without like, why would you deprive yourself? Um, but, you know, I have met well, I have I have literally done that with women that I have met in my life. Um, but, it, you know, is that kind of, you know, are, do people live happy lives without ever experiencing that? It can depend because sometimes there is, well, I don't, I don't miss what I've never had, mm. you know, mm. and that doesn't say that, that it's, you know, that it's right or it's wrong, you know, mm. um, but, you know, you'd need to have, a, we'd need to have a conversation with this girl mm. to see, you know, what's underneath that she never has climaxed, yeah. you know, is, is there a fear of it? Um, is there a fear of losing control? Mm. What is it, you know? Yeah. Um, so she's, obviously never climax or doesn't know what she's missing or doesn't, you know, it is that line of what I don't have, I don't miss. Yeah. Um, so it's, if the couple can talk about it and, you know, what climaxing is about for both of them, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, in that couple space, then they can start talking about it. Yeah. And I presume like if he says she does, she says it's not a problem and she enjoys sex with him, then she they have spoken about it on some level. And, you know, you don't want to make it an issue either for her if, you know, mm. if she is happy with it. I suppose that makes sense. Um, mm. Next question says, my husband hates when I approach him for sex. He says I say it too matter of factly, but I find sexy talk just ridiculous. Any tips? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it's clinical, it puts pressure on the other person. Yeah. You know, um, and it can create a performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. So before you start, there's an anxiety of, oh, will I be able to do this? Or will I be able to meet the need? Or, you know, so it becomes just very matter of fact and clinical. Yeah. And it takes the connection and the sexiness and the yeah. fun and it becomes much more of, sounds like a much more of a tick tick box exercise rather than something that evolves between the two of them you know it's nearly like a demand I want this so provide it please yeah you know so if but if you are someone who finds it difficult to do kind of sexy chat can you warm yourself up to that you can practice yeah you can certainly practice you can pick you can pick um, it doesn't have to be words. Yeah. It can be ways, you know. Um, but if words is your thing, you can pick sentences or words that will sit comfortably over over time with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You, you'll have your own talk with your partner. Yeah. Uh, and you can use those. Or I was just going to say, you can have a sign or a code word yeah. or, yeah. you know, when I yeah. wear these shoes, <laughs> you know yeah. that it's time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you can. And and I suppose the thread of this um, is communication. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that each, each knows, you know, if I wink with the left eye, well, then tonight's the night, you mm. know. Um, and that takes a couple to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, because I do think that sometimes if you're, especially if you're out of practice, it can be hard to make the transition from, you know, not being intimate to being intimate. And I mean, literally, you know, from the it's bedtime or it's a time when it suits us and I would yeah. like to do this, like actually making that transition can be tricky. So uh, that, you know, a code word or a, a, a special 
shoe or whatever. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why I'm fixating <laughs> on shoes. Um, okay, the next one, and I feel like this is probably a very common problem. Since the start of the pandemic, our sex life has dwindled, says this person. Teenagers at home 24-7, zero routine, zero privacy teenagers still awake at 1 or 2 a.m. We live in a small house and the walls are paper thin. And I'm sure there will be countless people who are in the same situation with children of various ages where it just doesn't feel like you can kind of get it done. Um, What would be your recommendation there? Usually I would have said, you know, go away for the weekend or go away for a night. But obviously with the lockdown and the pandemic, that can't be done. Mm. So we have to be imaginative, you know. Mm you know, you'll have to make sure that there's a lock on your bedroom door. Mm. Okay, the walls are paper thin. You may have to be a little bit more quieter than you would normally be. Um, But if there's a lock on the door, you know, with teenagers and older children, you know, there's no harm in saying, you know, this is mum and dad's time. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you you know, obviously, like, you don't want to be screaming and roaring, but like at the same time, you know, children and teenagers know that sex exists and they hopefully would understand their parents are in a romantic Mm -hmm. relationship so if someone did cop what was going on surely it wouldn't be the end of the world no no Mm. okay because you what you want to what you want to demonstrate to your children and teenagers that you know this is this is regular this is normal yeah you know and it's okay and everybody's comfortable with it they might be smirks and red faces when they come out initially but you know that's manageable yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I certainly would like my children, I mean, Jesus, I don't want my children to be involved in my sex life, but like I would <laughs> like them to be aware of the fact that my husband and I like each other and we have a yes. successful, happy relationship. And sometimes that means an L smooch or, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're comfortable with it and it's comfortable in the house. You know? it's, well, it's good for them, isn't it? That they mm. that they know, I think there's a kind of a security or a safety nearly in your children knowing that that your parents love each other. And sex is part of yeah. that for most people's romantic relationships. Um, yeah. Okay, one more question and then I will let you go and enjoy your Saturday, Anya. This one says, my last boyfriend used to have a big problem with how many sexual partners I had and always go on about a friend of his who had married a girl who was a virgin. Since we broke up, I found it very hard to sleep with anyone as his judgment continues to linger in my mind, even though I would, of course, like to be a bit freer with this do you have any advice on how to combat this combat talking about well I think she's yeah well I think her previous her previous boyfriend um had a kind of fixation on the fact that she had been with other people and you know talked a lot about how how ideal it would be to be with a virgin and no so she's carrying some shame it seems like from her previous relationship okay um how can she deal with it? Well, she needs to deal with the shame, but she also needs to she also needs to get comfortable with herself mm. to know that, you know, people will have previous relationships. Yeah. People will, you know, go into new relationships having had previous relationships. Mm. Um, and she needs to be comfortable with that herself. Yeah, it sounds to me like it's actually his shame that she's carrying. Mm. And if she could mm. connect to the fact that, you know she didn't have this shame before him and she shouldn't have the shame um, and that hers, yeah. he doesn't deserve to have her carry his shame for the rest of her life. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. And if she's okay having, 
uh, previous sexual partners because most people have histories. Yeah, everybody you know. does. Like that's, mm-hmm. well, yeah. most, as you said. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much. I hope we have inspired some people to um, get some action over the course of the next week or so. Anya Ward, Thanks. a sex and relationship psychotherapist from Insight Matters. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. You're very welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Louise McSharry on 2FM.